This is the most important, crucial, substantive, important, crucial, and ironic episode we'll ever do. Hi, my name is Joe Bob, and this is Barely Paying Attention. Today we're going to talk about something a little less difficult to take in. Rhetoric. While it's a staple conversation point for many media outlets, I've realized there isn't a huge understanding of how rhetoric is used by politicians and political talking heads, and how verbiage thrown around by the people in power might just be a little over the top. The political world has grown accustomed to exaggeration of severity. Now, you might say, but wait! Political decisions affect people's lives and therefore are immeasurably important. Yeah, kinda. Let's take a look at a press conference given by a county district attorney in Pennsylvania in which he's condemning actions taken by one of his colleagues. He, <clears throat> what he has done is indefensible, thoughtless, selfish, and so stupid. It's senseless. Good lord, what did this monster do? Did he stab someone in the streets? Is he sleeping with a co-worker's wife? Please, tell me the egregious, unforgivable crime that this no-good, rotten son of a gun committed. He has door-dashed during hours when he was supposed to be working exclusively for the Bucks County District Attorney's Office and the citizens that we serve. Oh my goodness! Can you believe that he... What? He was door-dashing? I mean, yeah, if you're supposed to be working for the taxpayer, I'd rather you not take a side hustle delivering pad thai with DoorDash, mostly because we all know that Postmates is the way to go. But seriously, DoorDashing while on company time? If that's thoughtless, senseless crime that's so stupid, what do you say for murder? But look, overheated and inflamed rhetoric has sort of become the standard now with a lot of our politicians. Nothing is kind of bad anymore. It's the worst thing to ever happen in the history of this country. It's sort of similar to the rhetoric people use for pineapple pizza. It's either the greatest thing ever and has changed my life for the better, or it's the most vile, disgusting excuse for food that has ever entered my colon. And I get it. There's a lot of people out there that might feel that their ideas are so important that adding a little hyperbole is justified. But a lot can go wrong with the rhetoric being used by people we're supposed to look up to goes off the rails. It can even be dangerous. So how did we get here? How did we go from debates about policy to debates with gotcha lines for TikTok? To try and explain the phenomenon of overheated political speech, we have to explain the reality of our election system. The common thought is that we all vote for a candidate that we feel is the best fit to serve in the office they're seeking. And while that's definitely true, there's a little more to it. One of the more shocking things that I learned when I first got into politics was the unbelievably high percentage of people who just don't vote. More people follow Kim Kardashian on Instagram than vote for president. The 2020 presidential election counted the most votes this country has ever seen. 161 million people turned out to vote. That's 21 million more people than voted in the second highest election in 2016. However, even with 161 million people voting in 2020, that's still less than half the country, which means most people just don't vote. Now, 
quickly and at risk of going off into a tangent, I'm going to dispel a common thought here and say that that's not inherently a bad thing. There's a lot of people out there that would say it's your civic duty to vote and that voting should be mandatory. That's a bunch of crap. Well-informed voters can come to different conclusions and therefore different policy beliefs. But if they have no idea what's going on in the government, the most American thing to do is not vote. Imagine you're taking a test and your teacher says that she's going to average all the grades of all the tests. Then the average of all the tests is going to be everyone's grade. Now you're going to start looking around the classroom trying to figure out who studied and who didn't. But there's a twist. Your teacher also says that not everyone needs to take the test and students who choose to opt out will not be included in the average. Now you can breathe a sigh of relief because you know that Dylan didn't study and is probably hungover, even though it's a Tuesday. Those students who feel they studied hard will be able to take the test confidently and everyone else in the class can rest assured that their grade won't be brought down by Xander, who would have answered boobs on every question. I'm not entirely sure that was a wrong answer. So we deviated from the point a little bit, so before we get too off track, let's get back to the fact that most people don't vote. But how does that tie into our topic of rhetoric? It matters because with less than half of Americans turning out to vote, there's a lot of room to grow voter turnout. With our two-party system, generally people tend to fall on one side or the other pretty evenly. Changing sides also really doesn't happen too often. Given that the ideology of the country is pretty evenly split, the focus is less on trying to get people from the other side onto your side, and more about trying to get people who are already on your side just to show up. Politicians know that a well-informed and responsible voter isn't going anywhere. Instead, whenever they have the opportunity to go on national TV, they'll pander to the audience that is barely paying attention. And what kind of sick, twisted person would do that? One of the problems is that the conversation immediately begins to take a nosedive. Instead of talking about specifics and policy that may interest your hardcore political type, they try to tug on emotional heartstrings or create fear of what the other side will do. It's pandering to the lowest common denominator that gives us clips like this. Millions, hundreds of thousands of people will die if this bill passes. Jeez, who can argue with that? If you're a voter that's just barely paying attention, it's not unreasonable to look at that and say, whoa, I don't want hundreds of thousands of people dead. This must be pretty bad. But that's just not the case. The bill Nancy Pelosi was talking about was the 2017 House-passed health care bill that would have overhauled Obamacare, but ultimately didn't pass in the Senate. While it would have changed the way the healthcare system worked, especially from a financial standpoint in ways she didn't like, the bill itself wasn't going to kill people. It was simply a bill to change existing healthcare policy by giving more flexibility to the states, removing the healthcare mandate, and a bunch of other legal mumbo jumbo that we're just not going to get into right now. And even more so, the Congress members that voted in favor of it, believe it or not, killing people was not a part of their objective. But this is the way politics works now. In order to appeal to the lowest common denominator, politicians use hyperbolic speech to try to shove people on their side to the polls. And where does that lead us? Nowhere good. Come to think of it, a fable comes to mind about a boy crying wolf. He found that if he told everyone there was a wolf when there wasn't, they wouldn't actually believe him when there was a wolf. We're beginning to see this sort of thing over and over again. Our politicians are darting hard to their side, which only alienates the other side when there actually is a problem. 
What's worse is that politicians at this point are going past shading the truth to their side and just flat out making things up. There is significant evidence, much of it in the public domain, on the issue of collusion. Now, at the risk of taking a side here, that's Congressman Adam Schiff, the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, saying there was significant evidence to prove that there was Russian collusion with the previous administration. Now, I'm not going to get into all the specifics other than there was a big, years-long investigation that proved what Schiff was saying there just wasn't true. There's also internal documents that show he knew at the time that what he was saying wasn't true. So why? Why are our politicians so willing to use hyperbole or just make things up? Because political speeches are no longer about gathering people to your side. They're about getting people who are already on your side all riled up. The politically charged, overheated rhetoric is intended to drive non-voters to the polls, but it's doing much more than that. Politicians' words are no longer simply pushing their own ideas, they're degrading people who don't fall in line. Instead of seeing people we disagree with as neighbors with a different point of view, we're now starting to see them as evildoers trying to ruin America. That's just not the case. But as long as the electorate remains ill-informed or just uninterested, the political class will continue to dumb down conversations into good versus evil. Now, you can obviously make the claim that the previous administration didn't help with the problem, but they also didn't start it. This has been a problem that's been continually growing over the past few decades, and judging by what we've seen out of the current White House, it's not going away anytime soon. It's almost to the point where we need subtitles for when these people exaggerate. What he has done is indefensible, thoughtless, selfish, and so stupid. It's senseless. The bottom line is that we need to understand the hyperbolic verbiage that these people use and learn how to weed through it. We need to know that when a politician says something like, this bill will kill people, what they really mean is, this might be a little uncomfortable and I don't agree with it. Until then, we'll continue to see politicians and Instagram influencers avoid policy specifics and instead only use language that pits us against each other. The objective here is to get people to think before they say or share something that dehumanizes someone or a group of people who just may see the world a little differently. That's our show. For those of you barely paying attention, thanks for doing so. We'll see you next time.